In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Alexander Pope, great poet of the 18th century, wrote this very, very famous line, hope, hope springs eternal in the human breast. Hope springs eternal in the human breast. Victor Frankl, psychoanalyst and author in the 1940s, wrote about hope after his experience of surviving Auschwitz. In his classic work, Man's Search for Meaning, Frankel observed that it was the presence of hope more than anything else that decided whether his fellow prisoners in Auschwitz remained alive or succumbed to death. It was hope more than anything else. Frankel said his friends in the prison camp who knew that there was something more for them to do in life beyond the camp, someone to love beyond the camp, some task to complete beyond the camp. These were the ones who made it through that hell alive. So, friends, what is hope? What is hope? What is this essential life-or-death quality in human existence? How do we get it? And when we get it, if we get it, how do we keep it? What is hope? First, let me tell you what hope is not. Hope is not escape. Hope is not escape. When I was growing up uh, in the, the Bible Belt, uh, good old Chattanooga, Tennessee, we, we, uh, we, of course, we sang a lot of hymns. Now, not all hymns have good theology. Surprise, surprise. Okay, did you know that? Just because something is old doesn't mean it's true, Okay. Um, some of it, now, these are lovely, lovely hymns. I'm not picking on any particular tradition. But we sang about hope when I was a kid in this sort of escapism kind of way. Listen, we sang these words. One glad morning when this life is over. What? I'll fly away. I'll fly away because we got to get out of Dodge, right? This, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. Or how about this one? Um, this world is not my home. I'm just what? I'm just passing through. Peace out. I'm just passing through. Now, here's the, here is one of my favorites. Here's one of my favorite songs, and, and really still is it's beautiful. It wasn't necessarily a hymn. It was a praise chorus. And I think this, this sentiment is beautiful, if not even biblical. But there's just a, a word that hints at this idea that hope is escape. We're just going to get out of here. That's what our hope is. We would sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely, what? Dim. Now, that is not what the Scriptures teach. Actually, the Scriptures teach the more we look at Jesus, we see ourselves and the physical world aright for the first time. Eastern Orthodox Christians talk about having the glasses, the lens through which you see everything, God, self, others, world. They get scrubbed clean. That's what sanctification is. The things of earth, if you look at Jesus, will grow more clear. So hope is not escape. What we live for as Christians is not to escape this God-forsaken planet. 
because God made us and all things, and He called it good. Hope is not escape. Instead, hope is redemption. Hope is redemption. What's the difference? Escape leaves reality behind. Redemption transforms that reality. This is a subtle but crucial aspect to what the Scriptures teach us about Christian hope. It's not escaping the world, it's transforming it. Christian hope is not escaping our addictions, our illnesses, our broken bodies. Hope is healing them. Christian hope is not escaping marriages or troubled relationships. Christian hope is reconciling them. Christian hope is not escaping, escaping war or violence or whatever. It is bringing peace. It's redemption. That's our Christian hope. This is the message of Luke chapter 24 today, a story about the appearance of the risen physical body of Jesus Christ after His resurrection. Two things that we learn about Christian hope from Luke 24. First, we learn about the person of hope. Did you know that hope is not some ethereal, abstract, airy concept? Hope is a person, just like love is a person, Jesus. Peace is a person, Jesus. Justice is a person, Jesus. So we learn about the person of hope, and we also learn about the promise of hope that we will be like Jesus. We will be like Jesus. Let this sink into your head and heart as we study. Take your, your Scripture inserts, if you will. Follow along with me in this gospel passage. I'm going to give you a warning. We are delving into some, some good, uh, uh, good, dense Christian theology today. My hope is not just to inspire you, but it's actually to inform you from the Scriptures. I'll do my best. I know this. You're going to have to listen faster than I can talk. So, follow along with me. Here we go. The person and the promise of Christian hope. Look at the opening verses of the passage. It says this, while they were talking, Jesus stood among them. So, mid-conversation, get this in your imaginations, mid-conversation, Jesus just appears like a ghost among the disciples. But question, is He a ghost? He just appears among them in a closed room. We know from John's account that the doors were closed. Is He a ghost? He appears like a ghost. This is the question that Luke addresses all throughout the rest of this story, all right? Is Jesus a ghost or is he a physical being? This is part of our hope. Luke says that the disciples were afraid and doubtful. In other words, they're afraid because it seems like he is a ghost. He's some kind of being that their present minds cannot wrap around. So Luke clarifies Jesus actually isn't a ghost. Look, look at the, the text following. Jesus says, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands, look at my feet, see that it is on myself. Touch me. You can't touch a ghost. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Luke goes on to tell us that Jesus, just to make the point, asks for something to eat. He wants to show them that he is indeed a physical human being post-death. Now, this is crazy. 
St. Augustine, centuries ago, said something that's probably even more true today. He said, on no point does the Christian faith encounter more opposition than on the resurrection of the body. Brothers and sisters, in our gospel reading today, we are invited to affirm one more time the essential Christian belief that Christ rose bodily, physically from the dead. When we say in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, that He descended to the dead and on the third day He rose again, we mean exactly what St. Luke teaches here, that a dead man came back to life, that He was not a ghost after His death, that He was not an apparition, that He was not a resuscitated body, nor was He a psychological illusion of His grief-stricken disciples. That was a favorite Uh, explanation of the resurrection in the past 50 years as psychology boomed. Jesus Christ, Christians have always taught, Jesus Christ defeated death, and He appeared again in His physical body as evidence of that fact. This is why hope for us Christians, it's not some kind of elusive, ethereal, abstract idea, some kind of warm and fuzzy emotion. Hope is a physical person who walked this earth died, defeated death, and came back to life. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why hope is a person from Luke 24. Here's the second truth. Hope is a promise. The promise is that you and I will be like Jesus. Here's where it gets really interesting. Christian ethicist Lewis Smead says this, in the Bible, hope is no longer a passion for the possible. All things are possible. That's not hope in the Bible. Sneed says, hope becomes a passion for the promise. And what is the promise in the Bible that we hold on to? It's the promise that we will be raised from the dead with a redeemed body just like Jesus. In fact, it's more than that. The promise is not just that our bodies will be redeemed. The promise is that all things physical will be made new, that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. If you're trying to picture a ghost-like earth, then you've got the Scriptures wrong. A new heavens and a new physical earth, new physical bodies. Where do we see this in Luke's account? First, the promise of Christian hope we find in the fact that Jesus has, notice this subtle detail in his passage, Jesus has the very same body he had before the crucifixion. Jesus has the same body. He still had the scars in his hand. They were visible to the disciples in the room, and that's why he says, look at my hands, look at my feet. In fact, we know this is true because in John's version of this story, it's not just that Jesus has the disciples to look at his hands and feet. He has Thomas come over and put his hands in the nail print scars of his hands and the side. It was the same body. St. Ambrose from the Middle Ages postulated this. I love this thought. He imagined that Jesus took his nail-scarred hands and feet up to heaven in His ascension, which we believe that He did, to show them to God the Father as trophies of His love for you and me. This is how much I love humanity. And we believe His body He will have for eternity. 
forever. We sing this in one of our Advent hymns called, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Listen to this verse, one of my favorite hymns we sing all year. Those dear tokens of His passion right there. Still, still, right now, His dazzling body bears. Cause of endless exaltation to His ransomed worshipers. With what rapture gaze we on those glorious scars. Jesus had the same body. This is important. Jesus had the same body because we will too. Now there's a complete groan amongst us. I don't want the same body. We're going to talk about what that means. Listen, St. John, in our epistle reading from today, 1 John uh, 3 says it this way, what we know is this, children of God, that when He is revealed, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. St. Paul says it this way in Romans 6, therefore we've been buried with Christ by baptism, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. That's not just doing good deeds. Just to clarify the point, Paul goes on. For if we have been united with Christ in a death like His, dying to self every day, then we will certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Friends, the promise of Christian hope found in the scarred but resurrected body of Jesus is that our present bodies, our present physical world, our every physical artifact, all of it, art, architecture, paintings, songs, poems, food, recipes, I don't know, what else can you come up with? Technology. Somehow, what we're doing in the here and now really matters because it will last into eternity Yes, in a new way. We'll talk about that in a second. But what matters now, what matters here and now will last. Jesus had the same body. Now think for a moment what this means. You're probably already ahead of me. Think for what this means about our brothers and sisters, for example, whose bodies are racked with some kind of disability. Think about that. Like Jesus, their disabilities, I imagine will not be cast aside, will not be escaped because hope is not escaping. They, their bodies will not become meaningless. The 40, 50, 60, 70 years that they suffered, unable to walk, for example, that won't just be gone and meaningless suddenly in the resurrection life. It will be redeemed. All of the human frailties we carry from scrapes and bruises to full-on disabilities, these will be redeemed, just like Jesus' scars. Perhaps those who cannot walk now, when they're dancing in heaven, there will be some notion that those legs which failed them for 50, 60, 70 years are now tokens of Christ's love for humanity. They will be trophies of glory in the new heavens and the new earth. C.S. Lewis says it this way, Christianity is almost one of the only great religions which thoroughly approves of the human body, which believes that matter is good. This right here, matter is good. That God Himself took on a human body, and that some kind of human body is going to be given to us even in heaven. 
and is going to be an essential part of our happiness, our beauty, and our energy. C.S. Lewis on the resurrection body. This is our promise. The promise of Christian hope, part A, is that what we do here and now, our present physical bodies matter. I don't know what scars you're thinking of. I don't know what uh, pain your body has endured. Pain uh, from your own self, pain from others. But it will be redeemed, not forgotten, not escaped in the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus had the scars. Here's part B of the Christian promise of hope. It will be a different body. The same body and a different body. Are you confused? Are you confused? That means you're learning the Scriptures. Yes. There's no Scripture in the Bible that says we have to be able to comprehend what God is teaching us through science or through math or through whatever. We, we just may not be able to understand it. Are we chosen or do we choose God? I don't know. And no theologian has come up with a, a good solution either for centuries. Jesus had the same body, and yet He had some kind of a different physical body. He could still eat. You could still see the scars in His hands. He could be touched, but He appeared as a ghost to the disciples. They were freaked out. Did you get that? They were freaked out. Um, I wish we had time to go back into the stories of Luke, but this is the third of three stories of the appearance of Jesus' resurrection body. In all three, He does something weird that is outside of space and time. He just appears to people, and His form is different. In some of these stories, His disciples don't even recognize Him. The, walk, the road to Emmaus, remember? They don't recognize him. He just appears in a locked room. In fact, the whole uh, Luke 24 is all about convincing you, even though it seems like Jesus is a ghost, he's not a ghost. But he is different from a normal physical person. This will be our, resurre- our resurrection body. This will be our resurrection body. Just like Christ, our bodies will not be bound anymore to the the limits of time and space. One commentator said it this way, Jesus' body and ours will not be subject to the laws of this life. I love science. Science, do your best. But this Scripture teaches us that there's something more than science out there, and it's called God's order of things. If God wants to bend the rules of time and space, He gets to do so, and He did so in Jesus' body. And the promise of our resurrection is that He will do so with our bodies. I doubt, I doubt we need to think very long or hard about the ways in which we wish for new bodies. We long to be rid of ailments, aches and pains, memories of trauma, all the things that we carry with us in our bodies right now over this pilgrimage of life. I doubt you have to think very long about it. It's not just our bodies, though, that will be redeemed and made new and outside the limits of time and space. There will be a new heavens and a new earth, some kind of crazy God dimension. If this sounds insane, this is classic Christian teaching and something that you should be thinking of every time we say the creed, we believe in the resurrection of the dead. The risen body of Jesus, friends, was not a different body, but it was a new body. It was the same body, but it was a different body. It was supra-physical, supernaturally physical. C.S. Lewis, again, is magnificent on the resurrection body. 
He says this, if we could see our resurrection bodies right now, we would be tempted to worship each other. He says, it's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. The risen body of Christ was not a different body. It was a new body, a transformed body, a redeemed body. We will not escape physicality. Our physicality will be redeemed. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for your marriage, for your relationships, for your job, for your gifts, for your talents, for your skills? St. John says this in Revelation, next to last chapter in God's story. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, I am making all things new. Friends, today we remember that Christian hope is not about escaping this God-forsaken body, earth, world, however you want to say it. Christian hope is the redemption of all things physical. And we find our hope and our redemption, according to Luke 24, in the person of Jesus Christ, in his physical, human, glorious, risen body. And we find it in the promise that one day you and I and all things will also be like him, for we will see Jesus as he is. Maybe Alexander Pope is right, that hope springs eternal, where? In the human breast. Amen.